Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 73. We're covering the 2019 AT&T Byron Nelson Championship on the PGA Tour and the Betfred British Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford with uh, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. First tournament in Europe. And it's yeah. in Southport. Indeed. How Indeed. exciting. The, the sun's going to shine over the weekend by the looks of it, which uh, which is good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it should be cracker. Looking forward to it very much so. When was the last time you can remember the European Tour playing their first tour event in Europe in the UK? Yeah, yeah. And even the, the BMW PGA was always a couple of years, a couple of years, a couple of weeks further into the schedule, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. So. Kind of twenty if of May that kind of time wasn't it? So yeah, we're a little bit earlier and uh, yeah, good. I, I I applaud it. I think it's a uh, it's a cracking move to resurrect this tournament again and uh, and have it uh, kickstart in the European campaign. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul is available at Golf Betting on Twitter. I'm available at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audioboom and on a myriad of different pod channels. Lots of people listening on Audioboom, which was something we put instigated a couple of weeks ago. So Hmm. well done on that. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast now. Can I just say, listeners, that our currency is re- uh, reviews, rates and reviews on iTunes. So if you could just spend a small amount of time to uh, give us a review, five would be fantastic <laughs> in terms of a score. And as I always say, if you leave your name in the review, we can read it out on the podcast next week, which, of course, will be... The PGA Championship, the second major Mm. of the year, being played at Beth Page, just outside of New York on Long Island, which we're very much looking forward to. Yeah, come along thick and fast, the majors this year. Absolutely, certainly do. So, listeners, please take the time, rate us and review us on iTunes. Yes, what did we learn for the PGA Championship last week, Paul? Do you think think we learned anything? Well, now you and I were just chatting about uh, Sergio Garcia's putting off air, which uh, seems to have taken a uh, a step in the right direction, hasn't it? Mm. Third for putting average last week, and uh, well, he finished fourth overall, I think, didn't he? So, uh, some decent signs there from some Sergio. He bogeyed the last, didn't he? But bogeyed, uh, he bogeyed the seventy second to uh, he dropped out of sole fourth and in a mm. tie with Fowler and Casey. It was one of those, wasn't it? I mean, I would have thought that McElroy punters were absolutely seething. It's, we kind of thought with that win at the uh, the Players' Championship at Sawgrass, he, he could have kind of turned the corner with these Sunday performances, but it was back to the bad old days again, wasn't it, really? Again, you know, even though he was a couple off the lead at various points over the course of the first three days... Um, he was still favourite or thereabouts pretty much all the way through the event, and uh, you know you, you still kind of expect him to convert those opportunities, but um, not when he's going backwards on a Sunday. It just doesn't work, does it? Seventh for greens in reg, 
11th for proximity to hull. So, yeah, decent. Second for strokes gained off the tee, as you would expect. First for strokes gained on approach. But it was the short game, yeah. 67th for strokes gained around the green. And he was uh, 50, oh, sorry, 64th for strokes gained putting. The, the putting fell apart over the weekend. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just looking at I mean, the... It was, it was the two putt on... He had a, I don't know, it was like eight... It was like, oh, I don't know, six feet for birdie on eight. I missed it. And the head just went completely. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be doing that. You know, we know with Rory, those those weeks that he absolutely dominates are the ones where yeah. you get that stat thrown up during the Sunday that says he's made like 98% of putts inside six feet or eight feet or 10 feet or whatever the stat is that they, they produce to, to show how well he's been putting. But it's just not there at the moment, is it? 61st out of the players that made the cut for putting average on the on the week. It's well, this is it. He was. You won't be surprised. He was second for strokes going tee to green. And I did see another stat, something around that. You know, he he then he, he missed the uh, he 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 didn't birdie eight, which was the must make birdie on the the par five there. Bogeyed nine, and then he double ten. I think it was. And I saw a stat then that said that was the first double bogey he'd made on a par five in the final round on the PGA Tour, and it was something like for ten years or something crazy. Right. But anyway, Garcia was impressive. I thought um, Justin Rose. All of a sudden, I know he started with uh, he hit nine of eighteen greens on Thursday. He clearly tidied that up because mm. by round two he was uh, eighty-three point three. And then in the final round, again, 83.3 in terms of GIR, which around there on those firm greens was a good effort. He was 12th in the end for greens in reg. Yeah. It just seems he's very, very wide off the tee right now, Rose. He was 67th for driving accuracy. And I don't know where, whether around somewhere like Beth Page, where the rough will be up. Yeah, it's going to be a um, It's interesting. Because I was, in, as you know, I was I was talking to this the... Um, agronomy director there last week who told us didn't he that the greens there are pretty much 95 percent poana yeah yeah it's as near as damn it poana all the way through isn't it yeah and they had a hell of a lot of rain friday saturday and sunday over there in new york so if they want that rough to be long and juicy far longer and juicier than it was at quail hollow they've got the ammunition to do it yeah, it's debatable, isn't it? It's not a US Open, is it? So, you know, it's they tend to set up these US PGAs to get a winning score in the kind of 10 under bracket, don't yeah, they? Yeah. You know, give 13. or take a shot or two. Um, so you wouldn't expect them to make it absolutely brutal. No, it won't um, be a US Open. So, yeah, and, and that US Open that Lucas Glover won there um, back a few years ago now, wasn't it? Um, well, and that was that was there were tough conditions that week as well, wasn't it? It was it, it was tough, and it was also set up U.S. Open tough as well. So, um, hence the, uh, the the lower winning score. But, but whether it would tolerate you um, being in seventieth oh, yeah. spot for driving accuracy, no. a total no, drive kind of track is it? A total driving rank of sixty third, which was Justin Rose last week. Mm. No. 
I'm not so sure. No, no, no. You need to be far stronger from tee to green. Total driving with the length of the course and, and the demands from off the tee is absolutely... I was going to say to you, what is the key to a PGA Championship victory? Yeah. Total driving, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. And they often are long tracks, aren't they? And they often are reasonably demanding from off the tee. And to set yourself up with a... Um, a chance of getting into contention, you need to be driving long and relatively straight. So, um, yeah, that does put some question marks about Rose. But clearly, to finish third last week, the rest of his game is not in bad nick, is it? No. Uh, the dry, the the putting's been in phenomenal form for quite a period of time. Mm. So uh, it was interesting in that case. What about um, what about the winner, Max Homer? Yeah, impressive. Absolutely. Would you say 500 to 1 he was available in places? He was generally 300s. Um, but you could pick him up, I think it was with Unibet, someone like that, for 500 to 1. Mad. Because he had shown little little glimpses of form, hadn't he? Nothing, nothing you know, slap you around the face, obvious. But um... He was 42nd or something around that ilk at um, the Valero Texas Open. But if you are a tracker of low rounds, which I know that a lot of people are, he had a couple of top 10 low rounds that particular week. Yeah. So, um, you know. Yeah, a pair of 68s in there, wasn't there? 68 to start, 68 third round. You got it. So, so yeah, he, he, he did show something there. Um, but whether, I mean, it's, you know, it's a leap, yeah. It's a leap of faith to take it. But whether so. you're going to find the the points and the stake to actually find that that man in that particular, I, as I said to you off off mic, and this is the difficulty with a lot of these events, and you have exactly the same trouble on the European tour where you get a couple of star guys. So in this case, we had Fowler at twelve to one, who you couldn't back. I couldn't back Fowler at twelve to one. And sure enough, he doesn't win. Uh, Rose was 14, Sergio was 25s, and Casey was 28s. Mm. So, and then you think, oh, God, you know, why didn't I pick one of those? Well, you know, because potentially you're thinking, well, Sergio and Casey aren't the most prestigious winners. Fowler's a ridiculous price at 12s, and Rose has been out of nick at 14s. And then the other, the other three in the top seven was clearly Max Homer at 500 to 1, you could grab. Joel Damon was 100 to 1, fair enough. And Jason Duffner was four hundred to one. So, like from a betting eight perspective, you're struggling. Yeah, really, then. yeah. There, there wasn't much in that juicy mid range where you might want to uh, take a chance. On the it, yeah, this is it. If you tip up Paul Casey last week, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he never wins. La la, la twenty eight to one. It's a shocking price. La la, la. Mm. no value in that. So it's one of those really. But mm. um, it was in Duffner, Homer, and Damon. They managed to get away from the pack on that Friday, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, Duffner, did he get to 11 or 12 under, something like that, at the close of play on Friday? He was in a great spot, wasn't he? And yeah, it was a bit out of the blue for Duffner, but um, it's, you know, again, he's starting to show a little bit of, uh, a little few glimpses of form returning, isn't he? But that's where the problems started for McElroy, because McElroy got it, I think he got it to 10 under. And he was right up with the pace. And again, he was part of that pack that had got mm. away. Then all of a sudden, he doubled the drivable par four and then came in bogey-bogey. 
and yeah. the, all of a sudden he's six under rather than ten under, and straight away he's six shots back at Duffner, yeah. which around a course like that, I don't care who, uh, uh, what you say, as long as as long as Jason's hitting greens and playing methodical golf, he as long as, if he doesn't come back to you, you six shots is a big gap mm-hmm. around there, very big gap. Yeah. And it was it was clearly Homer that just kept uh, he kept chipping away, didn't he? I think it was seventy one on the Saturday just to keep that forward momentum going. And his final round was very very impressive. Yeah, yeah closed it out very well indeed. Can't knock that whatsoever. Mm. So yeah. And what about in Europe? Yeah, China is the best. My my best selection was Min Wu Min Wu Lee, who came fourteenth in the end. Um, he, I don't know. There's there's lots and lots to like about him, but you know when push came to shove over the weekend, he just just didn't really make any more forward momentum. There were too many sixes in there, too many mistakes, and uh, yeah. just couldn't really get close enough to the lead. Um, Kawamura, who I backed as well, who um. He was sitting there in a decent spot, four under, after a few holes of his second round and then pulled out uh, with an injury, um, which um, was a little disappointing because he was in a great spot, or a decent spot at that point then. But uh, yeah, it just didn't quite happen, unfortunately. I mean, there's a few eye catches to uh, to note. Um, Jordan Smith hitting over 90% of greens in regulation. Um, yeah. was a big number. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike Lorenzo Vera and putting Putt- well, didn't it? Yeah, we know he's a decent putter, but he's he's putting. It, you know, there's got to be there's got to be a track that's going to work for Vera at some point, and um, he's going to get himself over that line. And Bernd Fiesberger is another one who you know he's been right off the boil for quite some time now, but he's starting to show a little bit of form. Twenty uh, third in India, then fourteenth last week. Um, yeah, there's the signs there that are, you know, and and Fiesberger at his best is a very strong player for the European Tour. Uh, interesting to see how he continues to progress over the next uh, next few weeks. And um, I mean, the note for me to take out of this is that there's a strong um, a strong link between this and the the Leoness Open or the, the the Shot Clock Masters as it was last year, where you've got names that popped up this week and um, that have done well in there in the past. Ashton Wu, Bernd Wiesberger, clearly Mikko Kahonen who won the. Uh, the one the playoff um, and also the Dutch which is the the uh, the venue for the KLM Open last year or was the venue for the KLM, KLM Open I think they're moving it this year um, again there's another set of correlation there with the same kind of players appearing on those two leaderboards from, from last week and, uh, and also from the Leoness Open and the, the shot clock over the uh, the last few years as well so um, for future events, that's a big note in the uh, in the book to take a look at uh, Corey course form when we get to this event or the, these these tracks moving forward. Let's hope they don't move it. Yeah, that's the normal trick, isn't it? Just when you think <laughs> you've, uh, just when you think you've got something to work with going forward, you find that the, the tracks moved on. Um, but yes, um, even so, it does uh, it does give you a little bit of a starting point whenever there's any. Uh, any correlation to be drawn from those tracks in future events um, anywhere on the European Tour. So one for the notebook, definitely. The European Tour clearly like taking events there, so they must trust the course mm. and the facilities. Because, you know, was that the fourth or the fourth tournament they've had there in the little five in the last six or seven years? <coughs> yeah, it was. And it, it was it, it was kind of the backup 
sort of or backup course for the uh, the original yeah. track that was supposed to be used in China last week. So so clearly when that didn't happen, they could quickly switch back to Genzon, which um, has hosted successfully yeah. these uh, events in the past um, with little um, you know up, up, upheaval. They could uh, they could put the event on quite easily. So so yeah, it's. Um, yeah, hopefully it's something that they can use in the future, and we can uh, we can dig these stats and uh, and form um, kind of guides out in the future, and uh, give us a head start next time round. Right, do you want to take us through the Betfred British Masters then? Mm. Yeah, this uh, yeah, as we said before, it's uh, it's it's one of these events that um, I'm I'm really pleased it's been brought back to the. Uh, Back to the table because it looked, did look like it was going to drop off the schedule this year. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah. Sky Sports had resurrected it a few years back um, when we went to uh, to Woburn where it kicked off, didn't it, with Ian Poulter um, as the as the host. Yeah. Uh, but their four year their four year contracts had ended and wasn't renewed. So um, I remember looking at the original schedule for this year and there was no British Masters whatsoever. So. Fair play to Betfred, who have stepped in to take over the sponsorship for a couple of years, um, or a couple of years for starters anyway. Um, and um, Tommy Fleetwood, who had expressed an interest before the uh, the events um, kind of started to look like it was in doubt that he would like at some point in his career to uh, to host a British Masters, um, has become the host. He's taken it to Hillside Golf Club, which is in Southport, where he hails from. Um, and um, Tommy's going to be hosting and putting on this week's event with the uh, with the help of Betfred, who will be um, acting as the sponsors for the uh, for the week. So um, good to see it back on the schedule, um, or look good to see it remain on the schedule anyway. Mm. Uh, nice to see Betfred step up actually, because um, not only are they sponsoring it this week, they've also um, stepped up to the mark in terms of the uh, in terms of the market and are going ten places each way at a fifth of the odds. And also, um, they haven't cut the life out of the uh, the prices. I mean, looking down the list, it would suggest that the the brief to the to the trading team was um, price it as per a normal event, but put ten places each way on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, because um, there are standard. some good, strong, yeah, standout prices, and um, all the ten places each way, fifth of the odds. So, um, do make sure you check the prices out on Betfred um, before you uh, place your bets, because if you you may well find that you're getting uh, the same odds or better odds um, just with the extra places. So well worth checking, I would say. Um, new schedule spot, schedule spot for the British Masters as well as a result of all these changes. So um, Eddie Pepper won in October last year and then we've moved around barely eight months and we're back to the British Masters again. So not only when a new track we're also um we're also in a new time of the year as well so a few intricacies to consider um this week the um hillside track which is the one that's been used as i say tommy fleetwood is uh is, is, it's his home track so he's going to know it like the back of his hand and um, other than that um you're going to find there's very little in terms of practical experience here and this hosted the sun alliance pga back in 1982 so most of these guys weren't even born back then um, that Sun Alliance was the um, it was the precursor to the BMW PGA back in the day, so um, you know, it was quite a prestigious event. But um, you're not going to be able to draw any form lines or any stat lines from that. 2013 English Seniors Open won by Cole Mason was hosted here, um, but again, you know you're not going to get any players or stats from those events or that event to um, 
to really help inform your decision making this week. And then the 2014 to 2017 Open qualifying was held here at Hillside as well. But again, you, you, you're not going to be able to dig into the stats to to really get to a point where you can uh, you can infer anything from those events. So we're pretty much stabbing in the dark here. We're, we're going on spec. Um, so the course is a 6,953-yard par 72. It is built on True Links land. It's on this Gulf Coast where you've got the likes of Lytham, Birkdale. Birkdale's literally next door to Hillside, the uh, the 17th hole backs onto the course. So um, it's literally on the same piece of land. Um, in terms of links course, there are dog legs. It's kind of a more classical style links track. Um, there are trees on it as well. So is it, is, there are some there are interesting nuances with this particular track. Um, sand dunes, particularly on the back nine, the, the sand dunes look fantastic. It's going to be going to be a pleasure to see it this week um, on the TV, or if you're lucky enough to be going, I'm sure it's going to be aesthetically pleasing um, in terms of a uh, in terms of a course. Pot bunkers, thick, rough, fescue, you know the the, the standard kind of linksy um, fare that you'd expect. Um, but yeah, tr built on true links land, so I think you can class this or classify it as a true links course even though there are some uh, some st slight oddities with the trees and the uh, and the, the number of dog legs on it and um, four par fives all of them under 550 yards and so not particularly long lots of 400 yard par fours and that kind of low you know high 300s low 400 bracket so a lot of um a lot of tactical strategic play i think to get yourself in position to attack pins um I don't think it's a particularly a pushover in terms of the course. Looking back at that Cole Mason win, I know we're talking about the seniors, we're talking three rounds rather than four, um, but he won at eight under, and I think there are only seven players who finished under par that week. So it, didn't, it wasn't a particularly a pushover that week. And as always with these tracks, it's going to be dictated really, the difficulty is going to be, the difficulty is going to be dictated by the by the elements, the strength of the wind. You're looking at 10, maybe 15 mile an hour winds this week. Um, particularly up until Sunday. Sunday looks fairly, right. fairly placid, but um, Thursday and Saturday look the, the windiest of the uh, windiest of the day. So I think it's going to be a fair challenge. Um, it's not going to be particularly hot, but it looks like the weather's going to be improving during the course of the four days, up to around about fifteen, so high fifties, low sixties, Fahrenheit. In terms um, of the European Tour pool and the schedule over past years, what what do you think? And it's difficult to say, but in your expert opinion. What kind of tracks do you think we should be looking at with with tracks that you think will correspond? Um, I think you can look at uh, yeah. I mean, if if you if you're boiling it down to just linksy tracks, then you could get quite pigeonholed because um, you could be looking at the Open Championship, for instance, or the Scottish and the Irish Open, and the, the attendee list of those particular events is going to be far stronger than what you're going to see here this week. But I think if you're looking also at the likes of Qatar. And which is often classed as a, um, you know, as sharing a lot of linksy features. There's a fair amount of um, correlation between Qatar and a links track. And if you again, if you look back, British Masters, Eddie Pepperell, Qatar, um, clearly won in um, uh, Walton Heath last year as well. So you know, in terms of correlation, in terms of the event as well, potentially um, Oman um, was by the coast, Mauritius by the coast. KLM, I think you can look at. 
Yeah, Calum Open, the ones that have been held um, in the Lynxy style track. Some of the, the, there are different tracks that have been used over the years, so make sure you're looking at the right ones. But certainly the Dutch that's been used for the last couple of years is a an, an inland Lynxy style track. So uh, looking at that for some correlation. Even the even the French Open, the Open to France at the Golf National, that's um, that's got some yeah. Lynxy characteristics in terms of a, a, an inland Lynx again there. So. Um, and then looking at the, the events that are held on and around the British Isles, so the Scottish events, the Irish events, the old Wales of Wales event, um, uh, any of those that uh, that may hold some correlation in terms of geography as well as uh, course setup and conditions and grasses mm -hmm. and all of the different things. I think yeah, you, you could you could tie yourself up in knots with this because the, there would be a number of a number of angles to try and. Um, try and look through um but um i think for me i think it's going to take some um some strategy i think it's going to take some uh, some links expertise and knowledge and understanding there isn't a great deal of um, course knowledge amongst the players out there some of them will have played it um as amateurs because it was part of the amateur circuit in the, in, in in britain um back in the day for when these guys were going through their formative years, um, some of them clearly will have played um, the the Open Championship qualifying as well. But yeah, in terms of tangible experience, there's, there's not a great deal. So I think it's a, it is a stab in the dark in terms of um, exactly how it's going to go. But um, an interesting one nonetheless. And um, even you know you can say the same about the last few um, British Masters events because they've generally been played at, at, on tracks that haven't been used very often or you know at all um, in in recent years and um, you know we've had some success there we picked up Matt Fitzpatrick at Woburn back in the uh, inaugural or the, the the event that re kicked off this uh, this tournament so um, I think you can you can look at the spec and draw some conclusions and see where it takes you. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, I must say. Um, I, I've ended up with five. Um, I could have gone for far more, actually. Um, it, some of these events, you look down the list and uh, you get kind of a bit stymied as to where you go. But um, my shortlist ended up with eight. And um, given that the prices and the terms are so strong this week, you know, you could make a case for putting quite an elaborate team together with quite a few players and uh, and see where it takes you. But I have I've narrowed it down to five. Um if you look at the market, the top of the market, um, Tommy Fleet with nine to one. What did we? We did have a, a, a chat about the price last week, didn't we? Did we I, did. did. I did I guess nine to one for Tommy Fleet? I think I said eight, and you might have said ten. <laughs> so it, it, it <laughs> fell in the middle. We're, we're bang in the middle. So Tommy Fleet with nine to one, um, and you know it's it's hard to argue that Tommy's the rightful favourite because I think he is the rightful favourite. He clearly knows the course. He's clearly the the best player in this field in terms of OWGR ranking. Um, what kind of puts me off a little bit is if you look at the hosts, and there clearly is a big burden on the hosts for these events. Um, Ian Poulter finished 33rd when he was hosting. Luke Donald missed the cut. Lee Westwood finished 15th at Close House. And um, Justin Rose finished 8th last year when he was hosting at Walton Heath. So of those four players, and they were clearly all very well fancied for their particular events. Um, none of them really troubled the uh, the odds compilers when they were settling the bets at the end of the, end of the week. So um, Tommy Fleetwood at nine to one, um, he's got to overcome that element. And I think there is a you know, there's, there's a lot of 
media obligations um, on these players, particularly this event. Perhaps it'll be slightly different this year without the Sky Sports um, input, which clearly would have added an extra element to the uh, to the obligations. But even so, I think it will be I think it will be a tough ask for Tommy to go out there and and win this event as well as host it. We shall see. Mm. Um, Matt Wallace, second favourite, couple of missed cuts, or, or, or close to the second favourite, couple of missed cuts over in America, which will have disappointed him. But he's, you know, he's clearly a well, well capable player of winning this kind of event. Eddie Peppel's defending for the first time. He didn't defend Qatar because um, he was playing over in the States, so um, he's defending this week for the first time. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, but again, he's no bargain. I mean, of the very short prices or the shorter prices, Jos Lauten was probably the one who came closest to me. Um, because he is um, striking the ball very nicely once again. Mm. And the worry with Yost, as always, is is he going to putt well enough to um, get himself into the mix this week? And he, I, I, It was the putting that let him down last time out, and um, he, you can read about his uh, his thoughts. He, he posts a lot of his thoughts on his blog, which um, are quite interesting to read, and clearly the putter just wasn't working last time. I think he had six three-putts in the course of his four days, um, which isn't going to work. So um, no. it kind of just put me off there a little bit. And at the top, I've ended up with Jordan Smith, who we mentioned earlier, um, that 903 Greens in regulation last uh, last week in China was it's a huge number, um, and when Jordan's striking his irons as well as that, um, he can win a tournament. It, it just takes that little bit of spark with the putter, and um, and he's going to go very very close. He was third in this last year behind um, behind Eddie Petrol. He's got a couple of Euro Pro, Pro Tour wins, which tend to be um, dominated by the the. the British circuit, so he feel com- feels comfortable playing in the uh, in his homeland. Sixth in Qatar, twentieth in Ireland last year, twelfth in Oman, and there's not a great deal of um, history to pick up with Jordan Smith because he's not been on the circuit for that long. So, you know, you dig back through his records, there's um, there's little patches that you could kind of infer or go well for this, but really, it's his recent form: seventh, fourteenth, uh, fifth last week over his last three starts, and he's been, as I say, striking his irons beautifully. So. 30 to 1 I took on Jordan Smith with Betfred at 10 places each way and you can get 33s if you're going to go down to 5 or 6 places but for me um, to take a 3 point hit on the pri- on the price and get 10 places rather than 5 or 6 seemed like an absolute no brainer I must he say. was 16s last week in a weaker field in China wasn't he yeah I, it's, and he's finished fifth. I, I was surprised. I, I'm, I was surprised with a number of the prices this week. I must say, and it's, sometimes you look at these um, markets, and um, mm. you know they, they look diabolical value. And sometimes you look at them, and you're just picking players out for fun who, who could go well at a decent enough price, or, or you know an attractive enough price compared to where they've been in previous weeks. I mean, another one, the same kind of um, same kind of argument is Nacho Alvira. Um, sixty-six to one years with Betfred again, ten places. Um, which I, I, I had to take that. I mean, if you're looking for some inspiration, then Jorge Campillo, who yeah. won um the week before last, he very nearly won again last week. He was in decent position. I think he was two shots clear at one point. You know, clearly found some form. And um, if there's a bit of Spanish inspiration that could rub off on Nacho, then perhaps that's uh, that, that's what he needs to, to give him that boost to get him over the line. And he can he can win. He's won four times on the Challenge Tour over the years. 
Um, he's come very close. He lost the playoff to Young and Wang in the uh, in Morocco a few years back, and Wang was absolutely nailing every part that week. I remember that, particularly on the Sunday. Um, he lost the playoff again to Scott Hendon, Malaysia, early this year. Third to John Rahm last year at the Spanish Open. That Spanish Open had some linksy characteristics yeah, as well. I remember. Um, second, yeah, it's, it, you know, again, you, you can throw the word links around to a number of tracks, and uh, you know they're not they're not links links tracks, but you can certainly share a number of characteristics. And there were some in that particular Spanish Open, uh, Spanish Open track. Second to Qatar this year, um, and. I, <laughs> 66 to 1 for a player who's been really knocking loudly at the door over the last few weeks. I was surprised at. I mean, sixth in India to follow that up. He was sixth into Sunday last week before mm. falling away, but um, yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't think that warrants um, pushing him all the way out to 66 to 1. So um, I was quite happy to take him um, at that price, I must say. Tenth at the Dunhill Links last year as well. You know, there's, there's lots of little pointers suggest that he could go well this this week, um, providing he can brush up on his par five performance, which um, especially when wasn't the, the best. especially when we're not dealing with horrible links type thirty or forty mile an hour winds and temperatures just about over freezing like you can have over in the UK, it looks half reasonable in terms of the forecast. It does, yeah, and with the sun out as well, um, as, as you know, it doesn't have to be warm, you know, temperature wise warm over here to feel pleasant. It's uh, as soon as the sun comes out, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can feel particularly particularly good. So yeah, I think I think it'll go well. I think uh, I think that price is um, is there for the taking. I must say, sixty sixes. Um, and then I've gone for three triple digit players to finish my team. Um, Richie Ramsey at hundred to one. Again, all three of them with Bet Fred. There, I, there wasn't a better option with any of the players that I chose. I must say, I just put them all on with Fred. Um, Richie Ramsey, hundred to one, who's not been in the best of form for the last eighteen months or so since finished finishing eighth in this event uh, back at Close House. Um, but he managed to scrape his card in the end last year, hundred and fourteenth spot. So he was almost into extra time with that, um, and finished eleventh at uh, at Valderrama to just about make it through for this year. But yeah. uh, perhaps that will buck his ideas up a little bit. Um, found some form last week in China. Um, he was he was waxing lyrical on uh, Twitter about how well he'd played from tee to green, and that would bore itself out in his stats as well. Um, was burning the edges as well, and could have could have finished far far higher, I think, if if it, a few more of the putts had dropped. So um, seems to be in in a kind of chipper mood moving forward. And if you look at his stats historically, again, he's the the best of his form tends to have come around the British Isles. So. Fourth and second at the Dunhill Links, sixth at the Johnny Walker um, Championship in Scotland, sixth at the Scottish Open, tenth, ninth, and second at the Irish Open, tenth in Wales, ninth at the BMW PGA. There's lots to like in terms of his form on and around uh, the British Isles over the years. So should feel comfortable. Should feel um, should feel in decent, positive form heading into this week for for Richie. Um, the final two, 150 to one, Ashram Wu who. Um, we picked up uh, at the Dutch. We were talking about the KLM Open last year. Um, he was 125 to one for that week. Uh, he'd finished sixth the week before and shown some really decent form with the putter. And um, he's one of these players that just often gets missed out by the bookies. He's kind of further down the list and uh, just doesn't get considered. So um, that was a lovely coup to pick him up for 125 to one winner last year. 150 to one this week. He finished fifth last week. He was um, 
in decent position all the way through. Again, putted particularly well. Fifth for putt and average, fourth for total putts. Um, I, I couldn't fathom why he should be so long. I that, that prize has just got to be taken. You know, if with ten places each way, the top ten finish, um, you're getting a thirty to one return from your, your fifth of the odds. So. There was absolutely no reason for me not to take it. I must say, I, it, it doesn't. He's not the most powerful. He's not the longest. Um, I think he's about tenth from bottom in terms of the driving distance stats for the year to date. Um, but this is a sub seven thousand yard track. It's it's not going to penalise him. Um, and while he's playing well, I, he's got to be taken on. I think. Um, and the final one, Clément Sordet, the, the talented young Frenchman. Um, actually, we had another talented young Frenchman nearly got over the line last week, didn't we, with uh, Benjamin Hebert in uh, in China, who was pipped by uh, Cajonan in the plow. Mm. Yeah. But uh, again, perhaps a little bit of inspiration there for Sordet. Um, he's got four Challenge Tour wins as well, so he can clearly get over the line. Um, he has won the... A Frenchman Indian... that can get over the line, Paul. Wow, there hasn't been one we of them see. for quite a while. Well, we shall, we shall see. Alex, Alex Levy's probably the last one, I expect. Mm. Um, he won the NBO Classic Grand Finals, the last of those four Challenge Tour wins, which is on that uh, track in Oman that's been used for the Oman Open recently. And again, another coastal track with some, mm. some linksy characteristics. He was second in Oman again this year. Um, he's got form in Mauritius. He's got form at that coastal track used for the Vic Open. Um, 14th in Morocco last time out, which is a completely different type of track. But given that his best form tends to have come on these coastal um, layouts, mm. finishing 14th in Morocco, um, and that was a huge personal best for him because he's missed the cut badly both times that he's played it previously, mm-hmm. suggests that his game is in um, pretty good nick all round. So, um, again, 150 to 1, again with 10 places. Again, I could see no reason uh, not to take him on. Um, the three that didn't make the final cut, which... If you want to back those guys just to uh, just to fully wind me up when one of them wins, um, Joost Lauter, who I mentioned, Eric Van Rooyen, who I think could go really well this week, um, and George Coatsayer, who I have vowed never to back again, but I came pretty damn close to backing him this week. I must say, um, he got engaged over the uh, over the last few weeks. Went back to South Africa, had a bit of time out, did a bit of fishing. Got engaged to his uh, to his lovely young fiance. Um, seems to be in really positive frame of mind. They've been playing some decent golf before the break as well. So I wouldn't be remotely surprised to see him up there. He might be a first round leader bet for me. Is he, uh, hit, is he hitting some greens? Is he? He's hitting some greens. He's putting well. Um, there's a lot to like about him. He led this event in 2017 after the first day. My concern with George, as always, is what happens on a Sunday. Um, and that is where the frustration with me having backed him in the past tends to come from. Um, but on a, on a Thursday, he can perform. I would like to see his tea time. I'd like to um, see what price he's going to be for the first round leader market. I think that may well be where the money goes for me on him. But I couldn't quite pull the trigger in the outright market. So we shall see. It's interesting, yeah, that's isn't it? Yeah, he's a decent price, ninety to one with Unibet, or seventy yeah, yeah. to one with Betfred on the on the ten places. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he's sorely tempting, but 
you, you know how it goes with me when I back George. He um, he's usually too clear with two to play and then doesn't even place, which is um, a source of perennial frustration. But um, perhaps the perhaps the Thursday markets are the ones to attack with him this week. The player, the player I you mentioned earlier, actually, I think seemed to be a reasonable price. Is Bernd Wiesberger. Fifty-five to one with the ten places. Yep. And you were, you were, you were going through some key key tracks, and uh, I was just searching away while you were doing that. Third in Qatar. Yep. He's a winner at the Golf National. Mhm. And uh, if you go to the the Dutch at the KLM Open, he's finished second and ninth there on his last two visits. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth yeah. and seventh at the Alfred Dunhill Links, his last two appearances as well. And as you said, just started to show some life, didn't he, in China? 68-68 over the weekend to jump from 31st to 14th. So, yes, unlikely to win, I grant you, but potentially at a 55 each way spot, top 10. I think there's probably worse bets out there than uh, yeah. than Bernd Wiesberg. The putter's starting to just warm up ever so slightly for him, which is clearly the problem. Yeah, it it, it 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 tends to be because when he's playing his best golf, he he's metronomic. A grins and, yeah, he's, a he's like a Jordan Smith, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very similar in terms of their style, and you know, he's one of these. You're not surprised at all to see you know 82 percent grins in regulation because he just churns out greens when he's doing that. And, when he has that putting week that's um, that gets down into the one point seven, he can he can contend. I, I yeah, it, the, the, there's there's nothing negative um, on my notes about him whatsoever. I, I guess you just need to draw the line somewhere. But um, I yeah. wouldn't put anyone off off um, backing him if you felt that he can continue this progression. And it is it's a solid progression: twenty third, fourteenth, and uh, and starting to show some decent form. So clearly, he's yeah. had injury issues, but that one point six seven putting average. Uh, in China last week was his best putting performance going back yep. to January 2018. Uh, yeah, he was, he was fifth for a uh, fourth for scrambling the the outing before in India. So the short game seems to just be sharpening, but the GIR is back to the levels that you expect from Wiesberger. So yeah, it's a big ask to think that he's just going to jump straight back into contention and convert. But he's a high quality player, isn't he? He's a he's a, he's a top fifty player. Wiesberger is uh, his very best. Yeah, I mean, on on the analysis I did, um, I had five key stats around performances on short tracks and uh, link stat tracks, classical style tracks as well. Because given the given the way this sets up the dog legs, right. tougher tracks, coastal tracks, he um, was positive on all five of those aspects. Really. Um, there were about ten or twelve players who were similarly positive on all of those, but uh, but yeah, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't put anyone off backing him if you if you felt that um, he can continue that progression and with the decent each way terms out there. Um, top tens uh, quite possible, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I might have a I might have five pound on the on burn. Because he is the sort, but I do like uh, I do like your particular uh, selections as well. I think Jordan Smith, when he, especially when you look at the kind of winner of that event in the past, mm. I can remember watching uh, at Woburn with you and Fitzpatrick got his maiden victory on the European Tour. Yeah, I take it Paul Dunn's was that a maiden victory a couple of years ago at Close House? It was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
it's it, yeah, Jordan Smith kind of fits that uh, the, the bracket of player that's won so far, doesn't he? Mm. Indeed. Over in the States, we've got the Byron Nelson Championship, which is the lead-in event over there to the PGA Championship. It's one of these uh, tournaments that's just moved location, and we got to, saw, uh, got to see it for the first time last year. Trinity Forest, which is an inland... It's another one of these uh, linksy type uh, yeah, no, no, link, linksy characteristics. Linksy, although it's landlocked in Dallas, Texas. Mm. But uh, treeless property, uh, lots of ups and downs, mounds, dunes, long fescue, uh, built on an old dump by Court and Crenshaw, who were two eminent designers over in the states, based in Austin, Texas. Clearly, uh, Ben Crenshaw very. Uh, High quality player in his day, hmm. and um, it. I think the timing doesn't help. I think the course itself scares a lot of the your PGA Tour um, rank and files. It scares them to bits. The course itself. Uh, so this week we have in the house Brooks Kepka, who loves to play the week four major. Hideki Matsuama. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Aaron Wise, Henrik Stenson, Patrick Lee, uh, Reed, Mark Leishman, Brandon Grace, Killer Keith Mitchell, and Sung J Im. They're at the top of the market. So that in itself tells you it's pretty a pretty weak heat. Yeah, it thins out quite quickly, doesn't it? It does time? thin out quite quickly, and I often go to the bottom of a. Um, <laughs> of the betting to uh, you know we've got Chris Blanks, Smiley Kaufman, Will McKenzie, Chad Collins, Joey Garber, John Chin, who I know very little about. So yes, it isn't the strongest. I think if you had any kind of um, status this week, you could get in the field effectively. Mm. Um, I loved the course last year. It was one of my favourite courses. Really, really enjoyed it. I think a lot of the reason I enjoyed it is because I was on Brandon Grace, who finished like a train on the Sunday. But um, the fair, I mean, this and this is this becomes quite clear when you just talk about some of the elements. Um, the fairways are international airport wide. They're like yeah, landing proper, strips. Proper wide, aren't they? Oh, they're 50, 60 wide. yards, aren't they? Yeah, it's Kapalua, effectively. Yeah. Uh, it's Kapalua without the huge undulations, but in terms of the the, the, the sort of the diving hole element. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of correlation between Kapalua and uh, this course, and you you can s- almost see that in the fact that the the course was clearly designed by the two by the the same people. Yeah. Um, and if you look last year, I mean Aaron Wise won, who was on a tear after finishing second at Quail Hollow, but. Um, I don't think it's one of those courses where you can be um, one of the most flagrant um, drivers of the golf ball and be competitive because you're going to be in, on the short grass far more than you ever are at any other tournament. Mm. Um, it was interesting last year. I mean, listen to some of these numbers. Um, in terms of the, the driving, you know, you the average driving um, accuracy was 80%. Yeah, that's mad, isn't that's it? That's crazy. 
So um, flagrant off the tee is not an, ish, an issue. Um, I, I, I think it just, you know, longer drivers are at an advantage, undoubtedly. Um, but last year with the results, you know, Mark Leishman second, Brandon Grace third in a tie with Killer Keith Mitchell. And then below those, you know, we had Jimmy Walker, who was right up with the pace the whole way through, um, Adam Scott, Charles Howe III. Those are players that have got an excellent resume by the coast. Mm. Um, key statistics last year for this tournament are interesting as well. Um Clearly, we've only got one renewal to work from, so it's a very small sample size. But if you just take Wise and Leishman, who dominated. Driving distance, 21st. Accuracy, 7th. Greens and reg, 5th. Proximity to hole, 10th. Scrambling, 23rd. Putting average, 9th. If you look at it from strokes gain perspective, off the tee, 6th. So I think you've got to be an aggressive driver here. 13th for approach, 41st around the green. The greens here are huge, 13,000 square feet, and a couple of them are shared. So there's mm. got St. Andrews connotations. Yeah. T to green, 11th, but putting was 4th. So a good putter uh, was pretty essential around here. It just feels to me like a longer hitter who has a decent pedigree on coastal courses or inland links courses, which you were mentioning as well in your particular rationale. Yeah, yeah, you can you can get some correlation from... It's just those characteristics, isn't it? It doesn't have to be a true linksy test, I don't think, to, um, to draw that correlation. But uh, some of the guys just react with the... You know, when, when they see those kind of aesthetic... Um, surroundings for these tracks firm and fast as well this course they clearly um, fescue wasn't an option down in in the south of texas which gets rather hot in the summer mm. so core and crenshaw very cleverly brought in zoysia grass and that is the same kind of grass that you we saw or we see every year in memphis at the um at the um st jude Yep. Played at TPC Southwind. It's the same kind of grass they also had last year at uh, Bell Reef for the PGA Championship, which Brooks Kepka won. And Kepka's also finished second at Southwind. So um, I can see a rationale behind Brooks Kepka. Um, whether you could back him on the basis at 6-1 to one that he's going to win the week before a major... I don't know. I leave that to people's decision-making capability. But Kepka, for me, on that basis, was a no. And there's this, this, there's this absolute addiction at the moment to Hideki Matsuama, who I mm. can't. I'm seeing as short as twelve to one this week, and he's he's not yeah. showing a great deal, is he? Apart from just. I don't know. He, d he did exactly the same as he's done recently. He started quite well in um, Quail Hollow. He's at, I saw him banging a nice nine-footer for par. The par looked good. I think he was two under at the time. And then and the next thing I looked at the leaderboard, he was three over. Yeah. Yeah. It's not screaming at you at 12-1 to one to back him, is it? No, especially on a on a kind of links, inland links, faux, I call it faux links, 
kind of golf course. That doesn't shout Matsuama to me anyway. No. Bermuda grass greens, you know, we've had this discussion many, many a time. No, a, a, a strong ball striking test for him when he's striking the ball well, and he, you know he can he, he can lap the field, but um, he's not in that vein of form right now to justify. I don't think it's a second shot golf course, isn't it? And if, and if mm. you if you can position yourself and hit the ball nice and long as well, um, you've got to be an advantage here. It's a par seventy one, um, and Wise topped the greens in regulation last year with Leishman in the top 10. So um, hitting greens here is not going to be overly a factor on the basis that even if the guys that were in the 50s in terms of their rank were still hitting 75% of greens here last year, mm. the green surfaces are absolutely huge. So what that kind of means in a way is that it's going to be a putting competition. For those that can hit the ball relatively close and can convert birdie chances, yeah, which in itself makes it um, something. I mean, l listen to this. Uh, Wise was 10th, Leishman was 7th, and Brandon Grace was 1st for putts, uh, putting average last year. Spawn and Blaum were also up there. They were 11th and 2nd. So you've got to have a warm putter. Which doesn't often help because, as you know, trying to find someone that is going to be the best putter week in week. Of all the statistics, I always think putting is by far the most difficult to read. Yeah, there's a lot of variance in there, and uh, from one week to another, players can just literally be unlucky. They they can you know they can burn a lot of edges, they can have the lip outs, or a lot can drop. It's, I mean, um, would, would you ever have thought that that Sergio Garcia would be third for putting average last week? No, no. <laughs> Clearly, something is uh, just well, something went right last week at least. It links. I think a lot of it. Trend. A lot of it links to the kind of the the course that they're playing and the fact that they like it. So uh, that's the way I've kind of gone with this. Um, had Grace last year, who holds the record for the lowest score in an Open Championship. That was the rationale around that, mm. and I'm kind of sticking to that kind of process uh, this week in terms of players that I. I like and players that have flashed some scores recently. Yep. So I'll go in reverse order. Why not? I'm going for the following five. First one, in you've told me this, and in my mind it is true as well. He's more of a bent or bent poa kind of player. But I think Alex Norenstein to show some form. Yeah. Uh, he popped up a few weeks ago at Harbour Town, which for me, you know, feels claustrophobic, tight. Uh, and he popped up with a couple of 67s during the tournament. And in the end, he finished 28th, which is his best finish in the States this season. Mm. Um, he got out of his group at the World Match Play. Uh, he also made the cut at the Masters. So there's some positive momentum there. And when you when I think of Alex Noren, just from a PGA Tour perspective, um, he was second at uh, Torrey Pines the year that that Holmes stitched him up uh, on the final hole, if you remember. Mm. Um, Mark Leishman, who was second in last year, clearly goes very, very well around that golf course. He also finished second last year at PGA National, which is an inland links kind of fairly course in Florida. 
We know for a fact that Noren also won at the Golf National last year. Yeah. And you look at places he has won on the European Tour. Bro Hofslot, PGA Sweden National, Castle Stewart on the coast up in uh, Aberdeenshire. Yeah. And also Le Golf National. He's also got an excellent record at the Open Championship. 19th, 9th, 6th and 17th in the Open Championship. So I just thought for a guy that seems to like coastal golf, um, the conditions in Texas this week are going to be pretty European. We're looking at 22 up to about 24 degrees Celsius. So nothing blisteringly hot in the 30s. I just thought that with Noren starting to shoot some decent scores, also in some real need of a result, because he's out, he's, he's 133rd in the FedEx Cup. He's had such a poor start to the year. But he's, he mentioned yeah. uh, he mentioned in um, South Carolina last time out that he's found something with his swing. He's more comfortable with his game. And that the court, the confidence, and the scores are starting to come his way. Yeah. So this kind of treeless um, course where you can bomb it long off the tee. Um, he was very good with approach at um, Harbour Town. I think he was in the top uh, top fifteen for strokes gained on approach. So you just get the feeling something good's coming from Alex Noren. It's certainly moving forward, isn't he? At the start of the year, as you said, was diabolical, wasn't it? He was really struggling. But um... Well, as you would expect, and this was the thing, a lot of guys were, you know, when we came into the year, based upon his performances last year, you know, they, he was popular in uh, Torrey Pines, he was popular in Florida, you know, because he played such good golf there last year. He was ninth for strokes gained approach at the Heritage. So, yeah, I, I just think a player that could just pop up and go really well would be Alex Noren at 66-1. to He's in the top 30 in the world, or top 32. Yeah. yeah. Big prize. Yeah. One I mentioned to you as early as Friday morning that I was going to tip up because he just showed something in the first round at Quail Hollow was Pat Perez. And what we need to bear in mind here last year, and I don't really see this changing with the weather forecast, it looks like that there is, there's a, some wind on Thursday and Friday, nothing over 20 mile an hour in terms of gusts, and then over the weekend it dies completely. 23 under one here last year. Hmm. 20 under was second. Uh, a player that I always associate straight away with the kind of resort level scoring is Pat Perez. So I've got yeah. a point each way at 66s again with Betfair eight places each way this week. Uh, on Perez, his three wi- uh, three wins on the PGA Tour: thirty-three under, twenty-one under, and twenty-four under. And he goes very, very well in Texas. I mean, on my preview, which I've clear, you know, there's, there's links to both Paul's and my previews in the uh, description box. He just loves playing in the Lone Star State. A whole raft of top fives and top tens. Yeah, and he does, as you say, he loves a birdie fest as well, doesn't he? He does. Didn't play here last year, doesn't know the course. But he mentioned that he, he had a calf injury, didn't he, earlier this year that put him out for mm. six weeks. He ripped his calf in the gym. He was, he was he was probably doing some of Phil Mickelson's exercises on his calves. <laughs> and uh, I, I've got a message for Phil. He needs to spend less time on the uh, calves and more times on the short game from what I saw last week. I'm sure he'll be listening to me. Um, but yes, Pat, he mentioned that he just changed his stance in terms of his um, his ball striking and his driving, and all of a sudden he's added an extra 10, 15 yards to his driving. Mm. And he said that he was he actually was 
Um, dry, he, he drove the green on 14 at Quail, which was the first time he's ever done it. So I just thought that little bit of confidence that he's clearly got now with the, the, the length of his game, the driving of his game, the fact that the fairways here roll and roll and roll, you know, that links kind of feel mm. to them. I think he's going to absolutely love this course. And interestingly enough, if you're looking for a core Crenshaw positive player, his last two um, performances at Kapalua have been uh, outstanding. He's finishing the top uh, top five at Kapalua, his last two appearances. Yeah. Again, we know what Kapalua is all about. It's low scoring, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you say, the fairways are very, very similar to this in terms of the way they set up and the, the width. They're just huge, aren't they? He doesn't tend to um, win off of much form either. I remember when he won that second uh, tournament at the Mayacoba, which, as you know, is Coastal Golf Course in Mexico. I think um, he kind of got something like 40th on his return from injury. He was 7th in Las Vegas, flew straight to uh, Mexico and won. So the fact that he was right up in the mix, he went out in the second last group with Joel Damon last week, I think Perez has got a lot of uh, momentum going his way. I would not mm. be surprised to see him winning at 66s. Another one that's been playing some really nice golf of late was Third, this I mean that kind of price there reminds me of what you were talking about, Nacho Elvira. We've got a guy here that finished third in the PGA Tour about two weeks ago, and he's at sixty to one. Scott Piercy, yeah, point each way, eight places each way again with Betfair Sportsbook. Piercy, fifteen under, seventeen under, nineteen under, and twenty-two under are the scores that he's pulled together for the four victories that he's had. The last one. Uh, we need to just put an asterisk against that. That was when he partnered Billy Horshaw in New Orleans last year to win this. Mm. But it just tells you he loves a resort golf course. Very good by the coast. Um, already this year, he's finished sixth in Mexico at the El Chameleon, tenth at Pebble Beach, third at Harbour Town last time out, where he was tops for greens in regulation. And he actually putted nicely. So, yep. I can see Scott Piercy having another good round uh, here. He was in the top 30 here last year. When he when he entered the actual tournament last year, Piercy's putting was not particularly brilliant. But his putting of late has been a lot stronger, a lot more confident with the flat stick. So if he plays the same tee to green game that he did last year, I think you'll find that instead of shooting 69s, he'll be shooting 65s and 66s, which is yeah. where you need to be. Um, I couldn't resist Mark Leishman again. Hasn't been showing a great deal, but I think the 33-1 to 1 on offer, five places, standard five places with Ladbrokes are caught the odds, was just a, a bet I had to take with a point stake each way on Leishman, who clearly loves the golf course. Um, he was in the top 15 or 18 for birdies made at uh, Augusta a few weeks ago. Um, he was 11th for greens in regulation last time out of the RBC Heritage. And the one thing I've noticed with Leishman, when he does win, he tends to... He isn't one of these... Um, he isn't one of these sorts where you, you see a build-up to a win. He just literally finds a course he likes and delivers on it. Yeah. Um, open Championship results of late. Fifth at High Lake. Second at St Andrews. Sixth at Birkdale. Loves Coastal Golf. And shot a 61 here on Thursday last year, Mark Leishman. Um, made a lot of comments about the fact that this plays like courses close to Melbourne, Mornington Peninsula, where uh, mm. he clearly um, has played a lot of his formative golf. So Mark Leishman, yeah, I'm in on him. 
And the other one, when I looked at the top of the market and I looked at Kepka, Matsuama, Spieth and Aaron Wise, um, I just saw Patrick Reed there at 33s and I just thought that that was a that was an interesting price. I've taken the extra, I've taken the eight places on him. So I went 28 to 1 in the end with Ball Sports for Reed, who four time winner on the PGA Tour. And when we know with Reed, when he's got, starting to gain confidence, he's a, he's a cold killer. He, he can win tournaments, can't he? Six PGA Tour victories, including the Masters and the WGC at Doral. And I just yeah. noticed last week, 10th for greens in regulation, which proves that the work that he's doing with David Ledbetter is actually starting to bring some results. And Core and Crenshaw designs, I've just listed them in the in the uh, preview. 14th at Kapalua, 35th at Pinehurst. He's then he's won at Kapalua and finished second at Kapalua. Yeah, 14th at Chambers Bay at the US Open. So he clearly gets on with these core and Crenshaw designs, the characteristics, the way they look, the way they play. We know that he can bomb it. We know that he can be a little flagrant off the tee. That won't matter a jot around here. But if he does hit some greens, we know that um, he's a very, very strong putter when he's towards the top of his game. And on the basis that he mentioned uh, after the first round at Quail Hollow last week that all of a sudden, now that he feels that he's got control of his golf ball from tee to green a lot better, he's feeling that the putter will start to warm up because there's less pressure on his putting all the time. I think uh, I think Reed could be a real danger this week. So I've gone two each way. 28 to 1, eight places with Boyle Sports on Patrick Reed, Captain America. So Patrick yeah. Reed, Mark Leishman, and then some bigger prices, Piercy Perez and Alex Noren. Yeah, I think that um, that Kapalua link for Reed is is very strong, isn't it? And uh, as you say, his short game on and around the greens is usually really good. But when he finds that form with his long game as well, he's a dangerous beast. He's a beast when he's going to be finding a lot of putting surfaces this week. Mm. Hopefully. Anyone? Yes. Who who are you on this week over in the states? Um, the two, well, there's two that caught my eye. One one I've played um, outright, which is Sean Sean Stephanie oh, or Stefani yeah. Stephanie Stefani, um, who was thirteenth last week, um, and a couple of decent rounds in there, sixty five and round two, sixty seven and round four, which was the joint best of the day. Mm. Um, he was eleventh here going into Sunday last year. Um, and a lot of these stats seem to be trending in the right direction for me. His GIR is trending positively. His putting's tre- trending positively. His fifth putting average last week. And he does like a low scoring test, um, Sean. Yeah, and he's Bermuda positive. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Fifth in Houston yeah. um, in 2014 at the Shell Houston Open. So um, 150 to one, I got on him. I thought was um, well worth taking on. Um, also, seven thousand uh, dollars in terms of his DraftKings price. Yeah. So he's going to be forming a few of my teams. I know you're well. going to laugh at me, but he was one that I would or was going to mention at triple digits, Stephanie, because clearly mm. he played, those two rounds were standout last week at Quail. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think I think he's worth taking on at that price. Uh, the other one who caught my eye, um, I think he's just going to be a DraftKings play for me, but um, is Matt Jones, who um, he 
again, he's he's done well in, uh, in Texas. He actually won won the Shell Houston Open in twenty fourteen. That was his only win, I think. Um, thirteenth last year, third going into Sunday. So he found some form on the on on the track. But in terms of how to play him, I mean, he's made eight cuts on the trot. So he's a kind of staple DraftKings player for me, rather than um, potentially backing him outright. I'd, Circa eighty, there's a little bit of hundreds of one. He's out. been well marked, Jones, isn't he? With his mm. Australian background, his his Australian Open victories, you know, on yeah. these kind of linksy firm for golf courses in the in um, in his homeland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's a great price for DraftKings. Yeah, seven five. So I think he's um, I think he's a strong play for that. But um, yeah, I, I I do have concerns that he'll end up finishing like ninth or 12th or something like that. Yes, and, yes. And, he hasn't got a great just, deal of fortitude when he's in the mix. No, no. But again, you know, look at these, look at look at this run of form he's been on, these eight cuts. So he was 12th going into Sunday, the Honda, 12th into Sunday at Valspar. He led the Corrales after day one, um, seventh going into the weekend, yeah. um, eighth going into the weekend at the Texas Open. So he's been, you know, in and around the mix for a number of weeks now without really getting towards the top end of the uh, the leaderboard. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think he's more of a DraftKings play for me. But uh, but equally, you know, don't be surprised to see him uh, up there at some point during the course of the four days. But yeah, in terms of outright bets, um, Sean Ste- Stephanie, one hundred and fifty to one for me. I didn't um, dislike Troy Merritt this week either. He's mm. a funny sort, Troy Merritt. Difficult player to call, but he yeah, played outstandingly well at um, the RBC last time out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few with with form over the last few weeks that have kind of just dropped off the bookies' radars a little bit, which is uh, good to see. Um, you know, and you've obviously got this uh, pre-major factor to to build into this week, and um, you know, other other boys at the top of the market going to be giving it 110. percent do you think that um, Killer Keith Mish will be popular at forty to one? He's he's a difficult one, isn't he? Um, short, isn't it? it, it yeah, it's too, it's too short for me. But yes, you know, clearly he's proven that he's, he's capable of of, uh, of performing at this kind of level. Um, don't know. You could you could make make a case for me either way, couldn't you? The other one who came relatively close for me and it's a player I know that you've um, been interested in in the past but his price wasn't quite as big as I'd want it to be, it's Peter Malnati mm. Bermuda grass, loves a resort golf course and on a yeah, golf does, course yeah. here where actually you could, you know, you're struggling not to be on three quarters of the greens I think he's a danger Yes, 175 to one available. Eight places each way with Betfair Sportsbook. Yeah, and he, when he's playing well, he can can putt particularly well, can't he? Oh, he That's can. Sick. And actually, there's been a few um, outings recently where Malnati has done things where you sort of raise an eyebrow. You think, oh, that's not really Peter Malnati. I mean, he was mm. 16th at Harbour Town, 23rd at the Texas Open. I mean that Texas Open and that and that Heritage, they were both played in quite windy, low. You know, they weren't resort level golf course uh, scoring affairs at twenty twenty two under. Um, ninth in Zurich, where he where he buddied up, and then yeah, sure enough, he goes to the Quail Hollow, a classical golf course that's never going to fit him, and he misses the cut. He missed the cut, but actually, I could see Malnati just popping up top ten, top twenty, something like that. Maybe even sneak a an each way place. 
Yeah, and if you look look at his raw stats, he hasn't hit 60% of greens in regulation for his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven outings. So he's been in the 50s every single week. Mm. Now, that tells you that his irons aren't quite there, but it also tells you that he's going to a track where the greens are absolutely yep. enormous. And he's they? putting, he's top notch. Yeah. Mm. So I can, I can see a logic. I can see an, an element of logic with that because if he does hit the you know if he's on the average or close to the average for greens and regulation this week um then he's going to be a better part than the average yeah. and uh, he, he could outperform his um, outperform his odds I, I, he was in I the top 10 for birdies made at the rbc which for me isn't his kind of gig mm. but you know I, I i guarantee that one thing might happen well might not i i reckon that sam burns will come and burn both you and me this week <laughs> and thousands of punters out there WD's after round one last week and we'll be sitting here Friday going that's Sam Burns <laughs> he's, yes. he's 14 under after 36 holes yeah Twitter will be melting down mm. with all these disgruntled punters from <laughs> yeah week, week after itis strikes again mm. Right, okay. Appreciate your time, Paul, as ever. Yeah, uh, this week. We're back on Thursday. We I think, are. We're, we back with, we're back with Barry on Thursday to do our PGA Championship preview podcast, which will be out uh, either Thursday evening or early on Friday. Yeah, and then uh, PGA Championship podcast will be out next Monday. Very good. All good. Thanks for your time. Yeah, best of luck. Yeah, best of luck to you, and thanks to you guys listening uh, listening at home. We will see you again next week. Goodbye.